Good afternoon, everybody. Casey Harrison taking you along on a Friday edition of the State News Sports Podcast, taking you alongside with Stephen Olshansky, newsroom personality, the one, the only. Stephen, how are you feeling on this fine day? Uh, today's pretty good. I mean, it's Friday after all. We've got a big night ahead of us, I know that, so... Uh. <laughs> Good weekend. Uh, it was a good week of sports, too, so I mean, it's good. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to build a fan base here, and mm-hmm. uh, speaking of the fans, uh, I think one of the first things we're going to talk about is uh, the, how the fans and Coach Izzo and MSU basketball all kind of intertwine with each other. So after the game against Purdue, uh, I, I think we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, MSU dropped their third straight game against Purdue. Um, uh, uh, once again, trouble with blocking the three-point. Trouble um, with the snap? No, no, not trouble with the snap. <laughs> oh, those were the good days. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> the the world's smallest violin is playing right now. Right. Um, so they dropped their third game. Purdue's a really good team. Uh, Swanigan, he, he's a guy that you can't stop. Um, he's probably going to be Big Ten Player of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, he's probably going to be a finalist for the John Wooden Award, too, I, I would say. Um, but anyway, Tom Izzo, he, he spoke about the fan base and kind of like staying afloat. Um, kind of like how you, you remember how uh, Coach D talked about building equity. Mm-hmm. It was along those same lines. Um, y- you want to play the audio for the people? Oh yeah, well go ahead. Tom, twelve and nine on the season now. <coughs> fan base. You said earlier this week. I don't care about the fan base. Understandable, but okay. your team is in a, in a situation where. When do you start to? You you keep talking enthusiastically. They're they're getting better and whatnot, but the records maybe not showcase. Well, you know the that. good thing about me. Yeah. I've never BS twenty in my whole twenty-two years. So if I say that, the good thing is you you know it's the truth. Because if I say they're not playing good, I tell you just like it is. Sometimes it gets me in trouble. This is one time when, I mean, we played good enough. You know, I thought we got the short end of a couple of calls, and I thought that made a difference. And we just don't have the bodies. So I'm not worried about anything but but the next game. I'm not worried about them until I get done with tonight and tomorrow. When I break down my game, I'm going to worry about the next game. It's not coach speak. It's not anything else. Um, you know, if, if people want to complain, I, I don't care. I really don't. I know what I'm doing. I know what this team is doing. I know what they're going through. I know what they're going through. And nobody knows what they're going through because nobody's had to do it. So... Um, I've been here before too. Been here before, and got got to the tournament. So, um, do I sit here and every day think, you know, um, boy, this is going to cost us getting to the tournament? I don't do that. I, I really don't. Um, I've had to win three games in the Big Ten tournament to get there and done it. So, uh, do I like where we are? I don't like where we are. Do I understand where we are? I do understand where we are. Am I going to worry about what somebody says that has no clue no clue what this team has gone through and what we're doing i'm not gonna worry about that i i feel their disappointment um you know what they got to be disappointed and nobody should have been disappointed in the effort those young guys gave tonight nobody should be disappointed that i you know had to throw some guys in there that just probably aren't ready to play aren't good enough to play in those situations um i got no problem with that so that's not insulting toward fans uh, I thought the fans that were there did a great job. And that audio was courtesy of ESPN. Uh, Steven, as you can tell, that was pretty heated. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was sitting there. You, know, you guys had brought me along for the game. 
um, you know, on Tuesday, and I was sitting there, and my reaction was, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did I, not expect him to just, you know, drop it like that, but, like, in a sense, but I knew what he meant, you know, like, what I mean, and I think a lot of people will take it the wrong way, having heard it out of context, um, you know, when he explained it like that, you know, at the end there. Yeah, um, I mean, when, it makes a lot of sense. But when you, when you just don't take it as face value, when you dig into it a little bit, like trying to actually get what he was trying to say, mm-hmm. he he was just trying to say that he, the fans aren't the one that is with the team twenty four seven. He's right. not the one, or they're not the ones early with the team during workouts, in meetings, watching film. They're they're not doing any of that. They're they're just kind of only reaping the benefits. They're not right. with the with the team through the thick. And he was really frustrated with with that loss because. They played well enough to get the win. They they just made some mental mistakes down the stretch, especially after Penn, or, uh, Purdue started to really kind of bust it open there. Um, they tried to contest some threes. They just couldn't really do it. And that that frustration kind of just sank in. Um, so so late Thursday at practice, uh, he, he kind of elaborated on that a little bit, um, saying that, you know, he, that that that's not really what he meant to say, and he tried to clear the air a little bit. So here's what he, here's what he had to say here, and this this audio is courtesy of me. You know, I guess I should address the last white elephant. I don't blame anybody for asking a question. Uh, I don't. Uh, what what I haven't learned very well yet is, you know, the beginning of that week in our press conference, we talked about some things that were going on out in social media. So when I'm answering a question, I, I kind of put everything all together. And I've, because I don't deal in that 140 bites or five bites or any other bites, um, I just kind of lump it all together. And I said, you know, if, if some people are upset um, because I use the word fan base, you know, my apology. But... Uh, if I have to say anything, as I've said before, to anybody in this state on my loyalty to our fans, um, that's, that's sad. And so, uh, but I'm not going to let people that have no clue belittle my players or my program. It ain't going to happen. Not going to happen. If it's our fans and they don't know it, it's not going to happen. If it's other fans. And that's the thing, you know, you can, you know, I don't know how it all works, but you can hashtag this and do that, this. I don't want to sound like Belichick, but it could be somebody from Purdue. It could be somebody from Michigan. It could be somebody from somewhere else. So I guess if I had to choose my words better, I don't care about fans that do not, um, that do not uh, pull for our team. I mean, so as you can see, he was really just trying to drive home the point that the, the all the Fairweather fans or everybody that's not with the team that that really like cares about this team through thick and thin, uh, he's just he's kind of had it. I, there's I guess there's been some instances on social media trying to like get to the players, um, and that you know that creates a toxic environment. I'm sure you had to deal with it in high school. Um, being the hockey star that you are. Right. Well, that, that actually kind of reminds me of a good point. Was There were a lot of uh, – on our, our run my senior year up to the state final, you know, only a handful of us had been and won the state, you know, title a couple of years before. We were young sophomores at the time, though. And, you know, we're in a, we were a senior-laden team my senior year, obviously. And, um, 
you kind of being there. I remember there's a couple like string of ties and, and losses we had to just teams we shouldn't have tied. And I remember he, or my coach, just pulled me aside or pulled put us all together in the locker room after. And he goes, just remember that like what people will say about us, like you know, not being as good as we once were, or things like that. Um, you know, the belief all stays in the locker room. Nobody knows what we're going through. Nobody, you know, he, he, I'm sure he gets that kind of stuff from Izzo. I mean, he studies you know, good coaches. That's why he's a good coach and why we've won a lot of games. Um, you know, he had, he had said many times, you know, that nobody really knows what goes on inside our locker room. They just see the product that we put out there every game. And if it, if it happens to be losses and wins, they don't know our process yet or what exactly the internal things are. They just expect us to be good in all facets of the game. Fans, fans just, like, watch the game from the outside. Not all fans understand the inside unless you've played the sport or played at that certain level. And so he used to just say, you know, we have to keep to our, you know, stick to our guns, stick to our belief in each other. And that's kind of what MSU bat basketball kind of has to do you kind of have to ignore the um you got to ignore the you know the naysayers and and got to ignore just the fans who put any sort of pressure on you know, i the fan bases are dumb <laughs> Tom's not wrong when he says i don't care about the fan base because any good coach you know, doesn't uh, no, no good coach cares about them the way or cares about a fan base the way that that fan base wants to you and i've said it many times that nobody the team's fans front offices don't love you the way that you love their team Oh yeah, one hundred percent. They they need to block out like the white noise, as Connor Clark put it in in you know in his headline for the for the that story he wrote. You got to block out the white noise because if you cared what the fans thought, you'd you'd run yourself into the ground all yeah, the time. Yeah, I mean, you're never become... going to satisfy anybody. Mm-hmm. And and that's the point where it starts to get self destructive. Right. And I mean, you you drove home a really good point right there. And I I mean, lo- looking at this whole thing in perspective. Fans thought that coming into the end of the year that this team was going to be, you know, a top 10 team Mm -hmm. with four freshmen going on the court at the same time. And they're just not seeing the results that they're accustomed to. I mean, right. They they expected at Kentucky when you got to realize that the guys that Izzo gets are not the one and dones. The the guys that you, I mean, Kentucky's fan base is all about just getting rid of players, but the process. That's what Tom Izzo is about. Exactly. He's about the process and developing these guys. These guys stick around for two or three years. I mean, this team's going to be dangerous as as hell. You you can't expect freshmen who dominated at a high school level to step up and play with kids. Like, they may have been the best kids in high school on their respective teams and their respective leagues and their cities and states and whatnot. But when you pool all the best players from each state together and then they have to play against each other regularly, you're playing against guys who are just as good as you were. Oh, yeah. And so now you have to find new ways to do it. And there are guys that will stand out above the rest, like Miles Bridges. Like, those guys are the spectacular guys that usually go one and done, correct? And so it, but those aren't not everybody. Like Cassius Winston, like, nobody thought he would be a one and done. He's not out here dropping 30 points a game, but no one expected him to. The only guy that's really lived up to his hype, in a sense, the way that everybody wants him to is is Miles Bridges. I, I think Miles, and I, I think you could probably drive a case home for Nick Ward. Cause mm-hmm. Well, that, not recently. But I, I mean, not recently. During the slump when Bridges was gone. It, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, I think he's lived up to expectations and probably surpassed right. them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just not consistent. Yeah. And, and so I, I just think this whole thing stems from frustration about expectations. There's there's kind of like a lot two, of it probably stick- two colliding heads. I mean, yeah. fans expected this team to be a lot better than they are, but they don't understand that they're, they're growing pains. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you're right. You're not a Kentucky. You're not a Duke. And the the cream of the crop that you get are the best in the North. And, like, no offense, but the, mm-hmm. the players that you get 
from like colder states and midwestern states like Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, mm-hmm. they're just not the same kind of athletes that you can get from mm-hmm. down south or warmer climates. Right. Uh, Michigan State to me has always been kind of like the blue blood looking in. You exactly. Know, where they're, they're the blue bloods like Kansas and Duke and those guys, you know, they turn out and they make the runs all the time. But Michigan State to me has always been like, I mean, Izzo's track record speaks for itself in March or, you know, April, whatever, um, you know, late in the season and things like that, you know. His track record speaks for himself, but that's oh, those teams have always been a process. Have you ever met a Michigan State team that was nineteen and zero at a certain point? I, I, I mean, it kind of happened mean, last rare. year for the first time rare. ever. Rare, right? I yeah. mean, like, but you, but you see what happened with that team is the one loss and, and done. I think a lot of this frustration comes from that feeling last year. Plus, you know, maybe it's combined with the football season, too. Michigan State sports this year have been awful. There's Anywhere you turn, there's no – I mean, nobody wants it, like, the soccer team. Like, you could have felt good about their story had you paid attention a little bit. Right? That, and I then mean, they <laughs> they blew it. Yeah, they blew it in um, the NCAA, I mean, what, the, no, the first round. I mean, men, women's basketball is ho-hum. You know, they're, they're good, but they're not good enough. Um, they're – you just kind of – Michigan State sports are in a down spiral. It's like any um, – it's like any pro team, you know, you're going to have a rebuilding process and in college there's a four years of turnover, but not everybody's going to click right away. Think about um, Denzel Valentine and Bryn Forbes. They weren't Denzel Valentine and Bryn Forbes in their freshman years and their sophomore Uh, years. That's that's exactly what what Tom was trying to say during his press conference on Monday, that if you expected the same kind of results when playing, you know, a Matt Costello and a Denzel their freshman years, you're you're sadly mistaking. I mean, they'd probably have a worse record mm-hmm. at, at that point than than this team does right now. Right. And, and that's the thing that the fans don't understand. Right. That, that well, fans want instant gratification. Yeah, that's what the and society's that's, been about. And that's what makes them stupid. <laughs> like, right? No, he's not wrong when he says he doesn't care about the fan base because he knows and he trusted the process and the fans. I, I don't know if they they get tired of it in a sense. Everybody, just everybody thinks wants it's to like win you're now. playing two K, and, and and it's just not like that. Right? Exactly. You can't. Exactly. No one's pulling the strings. You can't. Tom can't like walk up to Cassius and go, hey, "You're scoring twenty tonight." It's got to be from Cassius himself. He's got to find it. Tom is a. Coaches are just shepherds. They're leading them on a route, you know, like as a flock in a, in a sense. The flock's gonna grow and mature. I, I I can't really see some of these guys. I think most of them will be back for next year, oh, except yeah. for the seniors. Yeah. I you know. I, I mean, mean, you're losing Alvin Ellis. You're losing uh, Matt Van Dyke. And Aaron you're Harris. losing Aaron Harris. And I mean, you're probably losing Miles. Right. I, I I think there's like a thirty percent chance that he comes back, just because he he always talks about the team and like not not to be like Beauchamp Beckler, but the team, the team, the team. Mm-hmm. And he always talks about I came here to win as a unit. I didn't come here to get individual accolades. Right. And he and that's that's something that kind of like it, it bodes well to me when I hear it. But at the same time, that could also just be player speak, you right. know? Well, yeah, because he couldn't go, yeah, I'm just here to yeah. – like, what, what, what kind of message would that send to your team? It would be a broken – Exactly. Yeah, would, yeah exactly. So, um, Well, I, I think we kind of beat the beat, beat the, the horse, horse on yeah. this one. <laughs> and But when we come back, there's another coach in the country, but he's not mad at the fans. He's mad at his players. Welcome back, everybody, to the State News Sports Podcast. Stephen Oshansky alongside Casey Harrison, as always. And, you know, Casey teased it right before we came back in here that, you know, there's a certain coach who's uh, not dealing with too many crap. Too many crap. Too wow. many crap. Too, too, too much craps. Yeah. Too you much know. Crap. 
So, uh, oh god, yeah, I'll, I'll, we did not I'll drink take before the, rain the show. Here, I'm Steven. sorry, we didn't drink before the show. Uh, yeah, I grammar real good. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll break it down here. Uh, it, it was a coach that MSU has already played this year. It was a team, and it's it was the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, coach K, the evil empire, fresh of off basketball. of back surgery, looking like a sprung young chicken right there. Um, <laughs> That nowhere close to spring chicken. Oh, he's only in his like mid seventies. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, he's you know he's putting his foot down after the Grayson Allen thing. I guess there must have been a bunch of locker room mishaps. Um, he took away the right. I mean, I mean they've been two and three since he's gone. Since yeah, he's gone. So. Um, so he took away their locker room privileges. I don't know. Not allowed in the locker room, and they're barred from wearing any Duke apparel. That that's rough. That. I, I listen. I, I mean, think there's got to be that, some toxic environmental stuff going on around. I mean, there. look who's playing. You know, who's your biggest star, Grayson Allen? Yet that man is your herald son, prodigal son of Duke basketball. Yeah, um, I can see why there's locker room issues. That man probably has a tantrum anytime someone untied, like his shoe is untied. Um, look, I I think Coach K is right in what he did. Because he's he's deployed this before. He did it back in uh, you know back in the day. He's done it before. This isn't unusual for Coach K. I think this sends the kind of message that to me that goes, hey, there's a certain level of standard here to be. It's almost like a Michigan man in a sense, where that's what they have over down south. You know what they have at Duke is, hey, Duke basketball means something. Example: Look at all the national titles, the amount of wins Coach K has. Duke basketball means something, and to be a part of it, you have to hold yourself to that kind of standard, and that's not going two and three while your head coach is gone or collapsing against um, NC State or your best player is a bonehead. Like, you got to come across – there's a certain standard of to be a Duke basketball player that's national titles, that's carrying yourself with a little bit of swagger, whatever it is. But there's a certain standard to being a Duke basketball player, and there's certain values and whatnot. And to me, what Coach K did sends a message that none of his players – or a large portion of them are not meeting that expectation. While there are, I'm sure there are, you know, there are plenty of guys on that team who are probably not contributing to a toxic environment that are trying to be the opposite of it. But you win and lose as a team, and so therefore you have to suffer the consequences of the other people's actions. So if this snaps people back into line and Duke goes on and wins a, wins a national title or makes a run, this is why. I mean, yeah, that's your defining moment right there. And when you have... Grayson Allen is the poster child of your of your operation. I I wouldn't want that for anybody. Um, yeah, I, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I I haven't heard anything um, of that sort since I really like started following sports very closely. Right. Um, I, do you know if that's something Coach K has done before? Yeah, I mean, I, in the article here it says he he has done it before. That it's not uh, unusual for him, but um. You know, I it doesn't say when, just that it has happened before. Um, yeah, like I said, it just it just seems to send the message that hey, you guys aren't living up to what it means to be a Duke Blue Devil. Where it, where Connor Clark was telling us about North Carolina and how they all start out with white jerseys because you have to earn the powder blue, you have to earn being a Duke basketball player. And currently, they're not showing what it means to be a Duke basketball player. I don't blame him for doing it like this. And you know what? That's the thing I like about college sports as compared to pro sports because. Everybody talks about how in college the the coaches there are the type that kind of bust your chops. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that aren't going to cut you any slack. They don't play buddy buddy with their with their players. They they like them. Don't don't oh, get yeah. me wrong. But but I I don't think it, like Steve Kirk could get away with doing that 
right. for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I like. Like Mike Babcock, when when he left Detroit, when he went to go coach Toronto, there were people giving feedback from both ends saying, "Yeah, man, like I, I like the fact that he didn't like you know play buddy buddy w- with his players. He he was a type of guy that was always hard on his guys." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that's kind of the coaching you kind of need. There has to be some sort of tough love. I mean, look, like I, I relate it back to my high school day again. Like our, I mean, we loved you know you either loved or you hated our coach. Sometimes there are guys that just didn't like him, but you had enough respect for him to play for him. And if you pulled something like this, you were going to follow through on it. But he would, you know, he'd be hard on us and tough on us, and that's kind of what Izzo is on his players. He's hard and tough on them, but. These guys come back and they love him too because he's shaped them into something. He shaped them into what they are now. Like I'm sure you know how hard he was on Draymond Green, and now yeah. look at Draymond Green, and now Draymond donates what you know millions of dollars mm-hmm. back to the university. Like oh, yeah. there's like you got to think that you know these coaches they have they have to play that tough act because they can't be buddy, but you otherwise you wouldn't win anything. That's why Izzo and Bill Self and you know, Coach K, these guys are where they're at because they're, they've coached that way. That's the way that you, you should coach. You should be able to joke around with your players when you can, or you should show them love when, you know, appropriate. But most of the time, it's business. Coach K is there to win national titles. That's what he's hired for. And so he has to do his job and make sure those people fall in line. Yeah, and I, I think that goes to show when he's willing to take those drastic measures, that's what makes him one of the best in the business. That's why he's probably going to go down as one of the top five coaches of all time mm-hmm. and it sure as he mishandled things in the past with you know certain tactics and there's been stories about duke basketball before yeah but overall coach k is the coach and you can disagree with certain tactics here and there but to me this this doesn't seem wrong to me in in, his, in a way like this just seems like something that if he obviously he cares enough about duke basketball his players haven't shown the haven't matched his commitment you know what i mean if they can't match his commitment this to his team and they shouldn't be allowed to to wear the jersey to allowed to play in the you know to to use the locker room that's all a privilege you know that's or yeah that's a privilege not a right that they don't have the right to be duke basketball players they have the privilege to be duke basketball players and that's what you kind of want for places like msu or other places that you might root for you want it to be to be on that team um, it, it's a privilege. It's not a right. You don't like it, here at the state news. You don't walk in and it's a, your right to be here as a journalist, right? It's oh, a privilege 100%. To work, it's a privilege to work here, correct? Yeah. And so you can't. You, so when if people here were not showing the proper level of respect to that job, or you know, thinking that they are just entitled to something here, you got to knock them down a peg. So um, you know that, that that all goes back to here, and I think what Coach K is doing is the correct thing. Yeah, and I think it's brilliant what he's doing. And I think if it, like you said, if it does snap them back into place and they end up making a really big run for it, then I, it just goes to show you that he's, he is the mastermind when it comes right. to college basketball. And there, there will always be a defining moment in national title teams. And, you know, Villanova had them in the beginning or in the middle there. Uh, the, the play they won, ran to win that national title game was a play they messed up uh, to against when they lost to Seton Hall earlier in the year that year. They had tried to run that exact play and screwed up. And, um, you know, that was a defining moment where they said, hey, we can't have these kind of losses anymore. We have to execute when it's crunch time and got them all the way to the national title. And look what – and they finally – they got a second shot and they executed it. So there will always be defining moments on championship teams. And if Duke, you know, ends up one making a run and wins the ACC and then makes it till another Final Four, as would be expected – 
Hey, that was their defining moment. It, that's, I mean, it's crazy, too, because they lost this week, and they lost, Kentucky lost, and Nova lost. You're looking at Gonzaga as the number one team in the country. That's, Another overrated Gonzaga team. We can talk about that during tournament time, because don't ever pick them to go anywhere. Please, please don't. I mean, every year I look at them and they're ranked high on the seed because like, you know, somehow there's some magical um, jumpstart team and then they're out in like the third round. Or their second round, I should say. They're nothing special. Gonzaga is nothing, um, has never been anything special. I would never pick them to go to the final four. Oh, know yeah. your history, folks. That's all I have to say. I, I don't know if they've ever been ranked number one ever, but... They've been up there before. Yeah. Plenty I, of times. It, been, it's they've just been they've never been able seeds. to really kind of thread the needle. Right. They've been given, you know, anywhere from like a one seed to like a five seed here and there. It seems they're always within the top five of, of seeding in a sense. And so I think um, they're overrated, but hey, what do I know, I guess? You'll, you'll find out again. Oh, yeah. And so uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, going from the Blue Devils to another blue school. Uh, but those are, they're going to be playing the Spartans this weekend. All that and more coming up next. Welcome back, everybody. Wrapping things up on a Friday afternoon. We're not going to try and keep you too long, but oh, hey. weekend. Let's go. There's a basketball game this weekend. Oh, there is. Your Michigan State Spartans will be hosting the University and of Michigan Wolverines. And losing to the University of Michigan Wolverines. Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not going to rule out anything, but there's always a possibility. MSU, I'm going to break it down for you. MSU comes into this game, they need to win this. I mean, put all the rivalry stuff aside, this is a must-win game. I, you've got recruits coming to the game, and the Breslin's going to be absolutely just rocking. It's going to be filled to the brim. And it, this is a game that it, it's really going to be a, a collective mindset, and everybody's going to be all in and try and win this because you need to put things in perspective. This team has lost three out of the last four. And four out of their last five, three actually, when you look at it, three in a row, um, and they can't guard the three. Uh, you look it up; they were, they were shooting something crazy, like twenty eight percent opponents were in the first five games in conference play, and now MSU is holding opponents to like thirty eight percent. And I mean that's that's a that's a big difference. Uh, you're talking nearly ten percent, and. I mean, Michigan is a team. They shoot the three really well. I mean, you get guys like Zach Irvin or Derek Walton, and really, if you go up and down their starting roster, almost all of their guys can shoot threes. And uh, I think this is going to be a big test for them because it's going to be a hit-or-miss day because if Michigan can live by the three, then it's it's going to be a rough day at the Breslin. Or you could get actual defense for a change, and uh, if you get a little bit of action going in the post – it's going to be a really enjoyable game to watch. I think it's going to be a close one because Michigan comes in. They need to win as well. I mean, they're they're kind of slipping away in the Big Ten standings. But, uh, Stephen, what are, what are your opinions on that game? I mean, I look at it, like I said, like, like you, I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's a must-win game for MSU. I mean, I, I look at it in terms of, this team, you know, isn't going to beat anybody spectacularly good. Like I would expect them to lose to Maryland. They'll lose again at Purdue. I'd expect them to lose to Wisconsin. And these are the, if you're going to salvage anything and 
perhaps secure a top four spot in the Big Ten, you're going to need to beat, you know, you need to beat Michigan twice. You need to beat Nebraska at Nebraska, then once again at home. You need to beat Iowa. And this would start the road. I mean, if you, I mean, Michigan State um, and Michigan, always a rivalry game. This one doesn't have the same kind of feel to it. It has, you know, it has been for the past, what, you know, five years, four years or whatnot. This one isn't the same basketball-wise as it, as it has been before. But I look at it as Michigan State playing at home. You know, they fed off the crowd energy against Purdue. Well, the zone has been lackadaisical this year. Um, they still play a big factor for I, – I, don't look at me like that. Listen. You, listen, you said it, not listen, me. Listen, I did say I it. Think the, you know I why? think because, the zone's done because, a pretty good job. Because I sat there at the Oakland game with you where it was alumni night, and it was the loudest I've ever heard oh, that yeah. place. But <laughs> I mean, okay, think about it. If the, fan, if, the, if the kids, the regular students can't bring it every night, that's – and they're getting shown up by 40-year-olds. Some of those people were upwards of 50, and they're getting shown up. That's 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 interesting. I mean, look at it. Come on. like that That's your Just school, your basketball say the, team. Say the student section's weak. They are weak. There you go. Very weak. Way to, way to get some cojones. They suck. Sometimes. They suck? Sometimes. I mean, they've been bad. I've, I've witnessed, I can I've, feel the heat these... radiating from you from that hot take right there. Because, I mean, look, they're just, they're weak. I mean, they, they have it. They're not, they're not very loud half the time. And the only time they responded to anything was a Miles Bridges dunk even when they are down like 10. <laughs> like, I mean, they, there's been more important plays than Miles Bridges flying in for a dunk, and they can't even will the team into any points. That that place used to be loud as hell. They're very picky and choosy, too, about, like, like I, part I of heard, our generation, I, I guess, but. I mean, I heard them, they were, they were talking trash about Tom. I, he was coming out there, and they were wow. like, well, why don't you score, Tom? Jesus. And I, I, you know, yeah. Or like, see, look, see what I mean about fan bases, and I'm glad Tom is. Tom is his next comment should be, I don't care about the student section, because he shouldn't either. Because they're just as dumb, if not worse, than most of the fans. When Kenny Goins broke his nose out there, I mean, he was dripping blood and everything. Yeah. The kid sitting behind me was like, Kenny, get, stop bleeding all over the floor. Like, oh my God, just... The guy just broke his nose. Cut him some slack. Yeah. I okay. But back, I mean, back to my point. The zone has to be rocking for a game like this. They probably will be because they're all a bunch of Michigan slappies, probably. You know, or Michigan State slappies that are uh, get overly excited anytime a, a gold blue is chanted. And they're probably the people who comment on articles about oh, Michigan State's better. Like, God. I'm sorry. I just I hate this fan base. Some days I it, it they're insufferable. I've 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 lived it for my 19 years, and they annoy the crap out of me. But anyway, back to my point. Michigan State has to close out on three uh, against Michigan because that's all John Beeline coaches. I mean, his teams at West Virginia were very good three point shooting, and this t- Michigan team has has made runs in the tournament, has made it to a national title game because of their ability to shoot the three. Now, if you can close in out on them, they're going to be pumped up, too. It's a rivalry game. On the road, they'd love to steal one in East Lansing. There's no better feeling than going on the road at your rival's place and taking a game from them. And so, I, I mean, I look at it, Michigan State, you, you, Miles Bridges. The, the problem I see with Michigan State, and this is a game that they need to start you know, using this, is that they've been soft, they've been weak, and they have one guy, and it's Miles Bridges, because Nick Ward will follow out now. And who they got after that? It's Kenny Goins and Matt Van Dyke. I mean, uh, you're, it, you're not looking at much. Uh, to, there's no girth. There's no. There's no uh, tallness there. There's no height. 
<laughs> oh boy, what are you describing there, buddy? Uh, oh. <laughs> wow, wow! I uh, see where I your mind is. You're you're that. psyched up for this weekend. Oh God, no! Let's not start this again. Anyway, oh no. Anyway, we're losing um, cabin pressure. Yeah, and, uh, like, look, like Kenny Goins and Matt Van Dyke aren't good enough to be that guy down low in the post. Um, Nick Ward had his run, and now he's got to figure himself out again. But Cassius Winston has been up and down. Josh Langford needs to shoot more shots. Look, there, there's no – I don't think there's a leader on this team other than Tum Tum, but he doesn't see all the floor because he's not the number one guy. Whereas Denzel Valentine was your leader last year, but he was the best player. Tum Tum has to be a leader without being the best player on the team. And it, that's a different dynamic because you can't always show it on the court. And – so somebody needs to step up. Miles is too young. He doesn't know that leadership role exactly at a college level, at this this culture's level here at Michigan State. He he can drop 30-whatever points, and he may even go higher than he did against Purdue and do it against Michigan. But you look at it, you can't rely on Miles Bridges every game, game in, game out. You can't rely on him to win you these games. Had Had somebody else been contributing against Purdue, I mean, nobody had over double digits but Miles Bridges. Had anybody been else contributing, Michigan State probably would have won that game, to be honest exactly. with you. Exactly. That's, that's what I was trying to say. I mean, you can't just have a one-man band and expect to win every single game. Exactly. It, especially against a good team like Purdue. I mean, Purdue is number 20 in the country for a reason. Right. And you need – just because you have one guy that scores 30, well, when your next guy scores nine, that, that kind of sums up – the, the kind of night that you're going to have. Right, exactly. So, you know, Michigan State, they have a good chance to do it against a very low Michigan team. Yeah, but are they going to have to show it? Yeah, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't put my trust in them being able to break this one open. I still think this is close to the end, and I think they pull it out probably by four points, maybe. And you see the thing about this team, or the implications that this has, I mean, if Michigan wins, they're back up to 500 in conference standings. and then if, would drop MSU below 500. Yeah, then Michigan State would be below 500, and then that's when, that's when there's a little fire in the back. You feel the doorknob, it's kind of hot. Right. Um, Tom Izzo on the hot seat? No. no I'm kidding. 100% I'm kidding. no. I'm kidding. Don't, don't take that literally. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. But, I, I mean, it, it, it really puts some big implications on this game. I mean, it's sink or swim time, and Aaron Harris said it the best. I mean, there, there's got to be a point where they start to show up. I don't know if this weekend is the show up, but... Yeah, it's a good opportunity. If they don't take advantage of it, then you know how they're going to finish out the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, this is the stretch of winnable games. This is the stretch where you you got to get something going. I mean, you get Michigan now, a game against Nebraska, and then Michigan at the Chrysler Center, Iowa at home, Ohio State at home. Those are all games you should 100% be in. If not, you should win four of your next five. Um, I think that does it for our show today. Um, you know, follow along with us on statenews.com on i almost said snapchat we don't have one soundcloud SoundCloud, itunes iTunes, um, twitter facebook myspace aol aim anything anything you can think of we got uh carrier pigeon (laughs) yeah um like i said i mean my last message is they just gotta get it done um, anything else you want to add, Steven? No, I've got, I've got nothing. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. We'll see you all on Tuesday.